Welcome to Beyond the Balance Sheet, the podcast that helps advisors, clinical professionals, and affluent families understand the complexities of issues related to our mental, physical, and emotional well-being. Our co-hosts, Arden O'Connor and Diana Clark, will interview a series of guests on a range of topics, providing informative content and practical tools for professionals and families to consider. Here are your hosts, Arden and Diana. Hi, and welcome to an episode of Beyond the Balance Sheet podcast. Today's guest is Bob Weinhold, a partner at Velocity Advisory Group, where he oversees the executive coaching and family business delivery within the firm. He has spent his career helping not just individuals, but teams and organizations accomplish what they didn't think was originally possible. He began his career as a clinical therapist specializing in performance enhancement and concluded his healthcare career humbly serving, and I love the humbly serving, as CEO for behavioral health hospitals and healthcare organizations. For the last nine years, he has served as a strategic advisor and executive leadership coach to senior executives, families, and businesses. Welcome, Bob. Diana, great to be here. Thanks so much. So let's start with a little bit. You've had not exactly a straight line career as some would define it. So talk to us a little bit about how you got where you got. What's your background? Uh, really appreciate the question. It's a rather interesting circuitous path. I, I go back very early on and I say that I'm a product of a nurse and an engineer. I care about people, but I think in terms of systems, sport and performance has always been important to me, not necessarily in beating other people, but figuring out how you can get the most out of how to move through the world and be successful. And so that brought me into a a clinical therapy uh, early practice, specifically working with high-end professionals around mental health and addiction issues, getting them back to work. And then also did some work with the Olympics in 96 and athletes and performance, um, and then moved into healthcare administration, COO, CEO. So I got a chance to sit in the corner office and help create programs and staffs that treated people really well and created profound change in life. And then after uh, a career in healthcare management of being on call 24-7, 365 days a year, I thought there was a great opportunity to uh, start some new healthcare companies with private equity. Uh, But there's always been a flavor of working with family businesses from my very early employers on into the passion that I have in the work. And as a result, last nine or 10 years, um, I've served in a strategic advisory capacity to people. Uh, understanding the business issues, understanding how folks move through them individually, and then pairing that with either the organization or the family context with which they're operating. Wow. So can you define that a little bit narrower? Give me an example. A man comes to you or a woman comes to you, and what is the usual scenario or what could be a scenario at this point? Very often people come to me and say, we have a lot going on with our business. It's something that's very important to us. And we want to figure out how to get to the next place in a way that uh, is successful, in a way that doesn't cause too many damages along the way, and in a way that we feel good about. And so I, I often say that most of my wing work is not broken wing work. I don't show up to treat problems, but I show up in a way to help people get to the places that they want to be as a family, as a business, and as an organization. 
And would you say that the difference between coaching and therapy in the way you're practicing, particularly at Velocity Advisory Group, is more in the way you're delivering, the structure that it takes? I think it's partly the structure, but in a clinical capacity, uh, there's often not much of a deep understanding of the business aspects that occupy a lot of high-level professionals' lives most of the day. And uh, there's also, uh, in a clinical capacity, a little less understanding of the community dynamics and the business pressures that a family or an individual might have that are really relevant to their situation. And from a coaching or an advisory standpoint, I help folks look at elements of their mental functioning that might be limiting, but I don't delve deep into the solving of those things because I'm not there as a clinical specialist in that role with them at the time. I have the background so I can help with identification, I can help with resources, but that's not the general component of our work. Uh, if you did a two by two matrix, um, I help people get to a business goal or a family destination point. I help them understand how they're perceived in their leadership of getting there in a way that they get credit or they get less credit for that goal. I help people understand their skill set. And then I usually put their initials in the bottom bucket, uh, box there and help folks see how do all those pieces play out in the individual's life, in the family's life, and with the business. And using that model and the background in clinical and background in performance psychology and understanding how to navigate businesses strategically gives me a, a unique conversation to have with people. It sure sounds like it. I was just thinking when you were describing the difference between what somebody might do in a therapeutic setting, of I was envisioning a pie chart and that the pie chart is you know, basically 90% consumed with work. And then we're talking about the 10%. Mm -hmm. So it makes perfect sense to use, and maybe I am extrapolating beyond where you are, but you're using the business, you're using the family goals as a way of also facilitating wholeness. Without question. And I, I think for most of the folks that you and I interact with, the element of the business and in particular in multi-generation families, what that stands for in terms of identity, uh, growth, uh, justification, uh, and the communication basis of all of those things, that's the framework and the fabric that, that connects people. And to have a common fabric and framework that moves all of the family dynamics the business demands and the communication that takes place across the family on a regular basis, Diana, that's what takes place in their lives all the time. Mm -hmm. And so having examples that are relevant and pertinent to people that they can understand when they're 80, uh, as well as the newest generation that's coming in that's in their 20s, there's a common framework to work through that attaches meaning and presence in the family. That's very important for folks to carry across multi-generation businesses. So you, you brought up multi-generational. I would imagine the work that you do is different depending on the generation, right? You might be helping or looking at a transition out of leadership 
and a transition mm -hmm. into leadership. I would imagine those conversations are very different. It couldn't be more different. And I'm involved in some very dynamic ones with multiple clients right now where there was an early engagement around transition. We have some uh, ideas, concerns, fears, hopes, dreams for what a successful transition or succession would be like. And usually in those conversations, uh, I hear from a patriarch or a matriarch, can you make sure that my son or daughter or cousin is ready for the role? And so there's uh, a leadership succession evaluation that we can do where we look at that person in the context of what the business has been like, What's their skill set? What are their resources and what would they need to be successful? And then the uh, second and third parts of that conversation are, how do you create a plan to make that work? And then for the senior leader, how do you help that person exit with dignity, grace, understanding, and still having value in their lives? And oftentimes there's a focus on getting the next person ready for the role and it's left out what happens to the senior person in that. And I have said in several boardrooms across the, the, uh, the great U.S. recently, how you as a senior leader transition out of the role is equally, if not more important than how your next gen steps up into that role. So what I was hearing was if there's no vacuum to step in, we're going to have a little bit of a problem right? You can't have somebody ready to assume leadership and not have a place for that skill or that readiness. Absolutely. And how that senior person thinks about their willingness to step away, yield, share that opportunity, um, listen and advise rather than just vacate. All of those things are incredibly dynamic to navigate within a family because somebody that's gotten their identity from showing up in the office and being known as this person in the community and all the resources that they have when they step away from that, uh, it leaves a pretty significant void. I'm sure it does. What do you recommend to those leaders who are looking at Ericksonian stage that says you're supposed to be the wisdom and the lead and the teacher. Mm -hmm. How do you move or encourage people to move from activity and activation into dispensing wisdom? It's, it's a really good question. It's very different and unique with each family that I tend to work with. Um, when I help folks try and look at it in a simplistic way, it's the score and the scoring and the scoreboard has changed for you. So are you going to adapt to that? Uh, and then the other elements of conversation that seem to be most influential is you have a vast knowledge and resource, but it's only as good as it's accessed by the other folks in the family. And so if you make that a readily accessible um, and supportive exchange, then people are going to come to you and utilize all the decades of knowledge that you have. If you present yourself in such a way or it's difficult to access or there's incredible judgment along the way, then folks can't benefit and your organization and family can't benefit from all of the great things you've done for so long. Right. I mean, that's beautiful, but I have known 
family leaders and business leaders who got to where they were based on one set of skills and gifts absolutely and that transitioning those into what we're talking about as an appropriate you know advisor role potentially mm-hmm. is an anathema to them it, it really is and i was on a conversation last night about coachability and you and there's a, a descending line in the graph which is usually earlier on younger and in in the beginning stages of your career, you're far more coachable. And what happens towards the end of your career and you get higher levels of positions, your coachability tends to decline. What I have found and experienced is there's a hockey stick rebound with certain people at the end of their career when they start to think about what is the legacy that they have the opportunity to imprint. And how can they do that in such a way that really invites, inspires, encourages people to utilize and understand their wisdom rather than to despise it, repel it, and push it away? Right. So let's talk about the next gem, becoming good receptor sites for that wisdom. How does that process happen? Well, a conversation earlier this morning, we were talking about big issues for 23. And one of those big issues is how do you keep the next gen interested in um, desiring to be a part of the business? A number of longer term multi-generation family businesses still have patriarchs and matriarchs in roles of position, power and prominence in their 60s, 70s and 80s. And if that's the case, uh, next gen early on in their career, maybe in their 20s or early 30s, and is looking at a 20 to 30 year run in the business before they get the opportunity to be in a significant leadership role. And if that's the case, uh, many folks are starting to think about that as retirement, uh, sometimes in their early 50s or certainly in their 60s. And so finding the right ways to help people attach to the greater benefit of the business. The business is doing good, but it's doing well for the community. It's providing opportunities for future generations. And many of the folks that I work with feel incredibly responsible to the employees in their larger organization that they support and their families. And so getting the early generations connected to what those stories have been what they are and what they can continue to be and their responsibility for that is a really compelling way to create a longer term alignment with uh, the wisdom that the senior generation has to impart. That's a great description. I can also imagine that, you know, seeing the context outside of just how do I benefit and more as how Mm -hmm. does the organization benefit from my participation is a, is a good transition into adulthood generally. And it's really hard. Um, and I, I've got examples of uh, working with family businesses and flying into towns and talking to somebody in the airport and said, what should I know about this town? And they will tell me all the factors of the town. And then they list the family's name totally unprompted and said, you should know about this family. They help make us who we are. And if you don't know about them, you don't know who we are. And so for somebody to understand the magnitude of the weight of that growing up in that community, going to school, out in restaurants, understanding that in the framework of business and family life and public life is really important 
when you're trying to help people understand how to be a part of the business and why it's important going forward. Mm -hmm. Beyond the transition in and transition out, what family dynamics have you observed that really do seem to get in the way of success for family businesses? Um, very uh, powerful and compelling question for me right now. Um, one of the things that I've recognized is that communication patterns that may have started with an entrepreneur in terms of questioning, very quick decision making, uh, constantly seeking feedback uh, around many other people, that as a communication dynamic that was seen from a grandparent or a great grandparent was very helpful in the formative stages of the business. However, when you go to a second and a third generation and a fourth generation, those same dynamics utilized in a business of great and significant size, history, and tenure doesn't play out in the same way. And so I'm working with a family right now where there's a certainly a thread of the common questioning, uh, almost attacking and, and really a strong inquisition that comes across from generation to generation. And the challenge is, is that the newer folks that didn't understand that in the entrepreneurial context don't feel trusted, don't feel valued, and at times don't feel safe saying things in family meetings, confronting other folks uh, that are other members of the, of the generation about things, uh, or some do it so harshly, but they do it in the context that they heard those family stories that started right around when they were born about the way things are done around here. And this is what our family stands for. So those communication patterns, generation to generation, um, are certainly present. But with newer generations coming into the business, it's incredibly complex if you don't understand the history. That makes sense. So you would weave in the story of the family so that there's an understanding of the communication technique? Mm -hmm. One of my partners at Velocity does incredible work on DISC, and we talk about it in terms of birds uh, rather than a D, I, S, and C, and an eagle is the D, and, a, and an I is parrot, and, and so forth. But when somebody's uh, delivered a business in a very strong, eagle-dominant type way, if you have successive generations that don't interact that way, that was what was successful early on but it becomes distancing later. And that's a great challenge for people. I can see that on both sides of that equation. I have a sign on my refrigerator that says unsolicited advice will be construed as criticism because it seemed like every single mm -hmm. thing I was doing was opined upon. And I would imagine mm -hmm. that in family businesses where there was a wealth creator, where there was a business creator, that they know what needs to happen and not expressing that in the moment, in the way they usually do, could be difficult. It, it, Diane, it's, it's great. Their lens that they see that through is care, concern, love, and compassion. And they're trying right. to improve the other person. <laughs> the other person just didn't sign up for it. Hey, hey a little too much right now. <laughs> I'm saturated enough. Right. I want you to be able to learn, says the wealth creator or the business creator, mm -hmm. from the mistakes I made. Mm -hmm. 
and that and, would sound and, like you should you should you can't you but the intent is to help somebody avoid an error incredibly correct right on target one of the most profound shifts i've seen a senior generation exiting the business when they come back to the early generations and say can i learn from you those newer generations what can i learn about the way you see the world and the way the world is evolving that may help me look at the rest of my life differently and so when that senior generation is actually asking progressive su succeeding generations how they can learn everything changes because then the dynamic of legacy actually has a chance to take hold in a very very different way i can see that so what didn't i ask you today what have you learned i'll ask a better question what have you learned on your crooked path that you would like this audience to know that probably surprised you along the way um i i have a bit of a sport background that i've continued and i run 100 mile ultra marathons and one of the things that i i find in a 100 mile race is that there's times where you feel like you can never take another step forward or everything's wrong and then you'll never get to the finish and if you just are are continually to evaluating things and trying to figure out the right way forward eventually it'll get there and so what i share with people is sometimes in the process um the destination becomes elusive, the process becomes muddy or ugly or difficult. Um, but folks that have context of how this has worked through other people and families uh, is really fascinating. And what I share with people is uh, you have to care, you have to trust a lot and understand what has worked in general business but what specifically has worked in family businesses to get people to the ability to transition ownership into the next generation or to get folks to be okay with and divesting significant companies and then how do they understand their identity and the way they communicate because they've lost that connective fabric and tissue so i've learned uh, far more than i ever thought I'm in a constant battle of how unique is it versus how normal is it for other people. And many of the people that we work with uh, either normalize everything and don't take care of any of the uniqueness, or they jump all the way into, but you don't understand the uniqueness of me and my family and my business. And that place of isolation uh, doesn't allow people to move forward very well. That's a great sentiment. Thank you, Bob Weinhold, for joining me today on Beyond the Balance Sheet podcast. For our listeners, if you've enjoyed this episode, please like us on your platform of choice. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Balance Sheet, a podcast designed to help advisors, clinical professionals, and affluent families solve some of their biggest medical, psychiatric, and emotional challenges. Visit beyondthebalancesheet.com to read more about our guests and resources and sign up for our newsletter.